Welcome to the Insight Podcast from HRE Source. They met when my dad was in the Navy, and I think it was three dates, and then he proposed. And then when I was 18, I was actually the first in my family to get into university. With this guy in Greece, and he, he was Greek? Uh, no, so he was actually Welsh. He was the reason that actually I started um, my first wedding company was because we got engaged and um, moved back to the UK, but then we wanted to get married in Greece. It's, it's one of these things that has to be perfect. That didn't daunt you at all. I think that's what makes it so great. Like the pressure and the high intensity and like, there's nothing like the feeling on a wedding day. They were threatening to kick her out of university because she'd been asking too many questions. That made me realise that in those last three months, I'd nearly died, I'd been sexually assaulted, and this is what happens to those women on a weekly basis. I realised that I didn't necessarily need to be a millionaire to make a difference, Um, and I just, it set this fire in my belly of, I must help these people. Yes, we've accidentally now hit the American market. I'm not, I'm not very... How can you accidentally... (laughs) Really know. <laughs> they found you. They found you on this on the interweb. Is in the forest and it's up a track and you have to get horse-drawn carts or you have to walk and there's lanterns. You can't drive there. It's got like fire pits. It's got. It's just. Is it is magical. I get really passionate about is burning your boats. Yeah. Like burn them all. I don't think I've seen Google reviews that go into quite so much detail. Um, so www.mountainweddings.co.uk, that's the big wedding company um, in the Alps for couples who want something extraordinary. We've also then got the elopement company, which is the same, www.theelopementcompany.co.uk, um, more based at the Marry Now Party Later. And then we've got Vanessa Beth, which is vanessabethweddings.com. There are any number of reasons why people go into business for themselves. Independence, freedom, opportunity to be able to fulfill an ambition, uh, financial gain, it's an obvious one. And then maybe there's a way in which people should be thinking a little differently about taking up that entrepreneurial bent. Maybe there's a way in which those skills can be put to a wider use. Our guest in this podcast, Vanessa Smith, is somebody who is very clearly entrepreneurial by nature, serial business starter with a common theme, which we'll get to hear all about. But the reason and the motivation behind her work is revealing about her, about her nature, and about what she wants to do for the world. This is somebody that wants to support and help individuals who are in a lot worse situation than herself and that gives the drive the motivation and the impetus to be able to run successful businesses and see them grow that as well is aligned with somebody who runs the business in a way in which 
they would themselves want to have an experience. So they put the customer very much at the heart of everything they do, which is why this makes a very good episode for our Insight podcast, because this is all about customer service. It's all about customer service. And with Vanessa, quite a bit more. Enjoy this podcast. Here follows the broadcast forecast for the next 50 minutes. The imminent arrival of a strong, warm guest with accompanying stories leading to the lifting of fog, a bright outlook and opportunity to plan your way ahead with confidence. We are aware of a pod office yellow cheese warning for occasional dad jokes by the host, but these will be light and intermittent. I am delighted to welcome to the Insight podcast, Vanessa Smith. Uh, Vanessa's got a very interesting business, businesses, I should say, and we're going to hear about even more. Um, Seems to be a serial entrepreneur with a very interesting take on something that would probably scare an awful lot of people who are trying to offer a certain level of customer service. She sells dreams. Um, This is going to be a podcast that I can't wait to get started with because, in all honesty, when we're recording this, um, we discover that Vanessa's actually in Mexico. So, um, hola. <laughs> How are you doing, <laughs> Vanessa? Welcome to the podcast. Hi, David. I'm wonderful. Thank you. How are you? And, and for those, and I did this on, on a podcast recently when I started blathering away about something, I was holding up a picture, not thinking at all about the medium of podcasting, the fact that people couldn't see what I was holding up. Um, for the purpose of anybody not looking at a YouTube channel right now, um, Vanessa is actually in a sunbathed room. Uh, enjoying the heat from Mexico, whereas I'm not. Um, what can I say? I mean, I'm normally in the French Alps at this time of year, so it's very dramatically different. Normally I'd be in a woolly hat or um, in a ski jacket. So It's great to see you. Um, I'm really interested in getting to the point about talking about your businesses, but before we get there, one thing that I do like to do is understand a bit more about the background you know, the life, the, the person that, that emerged from the early days, the family life, and suddenly sparked into becoming this entrepreneur of which you are. So what can you tell me about your early life? Where, where, did, you, where did you grow up? Um, so I grew up in England. I grew up in Nottingham. Um, a very wonderful childhood, nothing dramatic or anything. I had two very loving parents to the point where they were sickeningly in love. Like it used to embarrass me so much how in love they were. Um, No other parents were like it. And they still to this day are exactly the same. Um, Yeah, they they met when my dad was in the Navy and I think it was three dates and then he proposed. Um, That's what I like, that's a man after my own heart. That is, that is, know what you want. Yeah. (laughs) But can you imagine that in today's world? That would just be insane. Um, but I mean, it works. They're still together and still madly in love and still got all the old Navy letters in the attic. And- oh, that's fabulous. You know, I wrote that that makes me think of, and maybe it's to where my brain goes to. Uh, my wife's a big fan of um, certain types of films, genre films, and she loves When Harry Met Sally. Oh, and, yeah. and there's that sequence, isn't there, where you've got the couples talking about their relationships and how they got together and how it all happened. It is that film, isn't it? I'm sure it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it's like a, a Rob Reiner thing, I think. But anyway, they're, they're all they're all. Talking. I can just imagine you, mum and dad, doing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was in the navy. <laughs> it just it's that it's kind of set me up for a fail, though, wasn't it? Because then you kind of every relationship I had as a child, I was like, well, why haven't you proposed yet? It's been three dates. Or yes, yes, you're not measuring up very high now. Do you know <laughs> so um, yes, my childhood was. Must have made primary school quite tough for the boys. <laughs> very tough for the boys. No. Um, and then I've got a lovely brother who's my best friend. He's actually a scuba diving instructor in Greece. We're very different. He's very laid back, chill, likes to drink beer on a beach and scuba dive all day. And then it's good to me. It, I mean, it sounds wonderful, um, but with polar opposites. But that just really helps with our relationship. So, yeah, I mean, my, my growing up, nothing nothing really to talk about nothing nothing quite significant that I feel would be worth mentioning so you went to school in Nottingham and yes went to school in Nottingham um was that that a happy time as well that was all sort of you know um in Robin Hood country and you just got to learn about (laughs) I actually knew Robin Hood very well he was yeah he's a very good friend of mine um no um Yes, grew up in Nottingham, school in Nottingham, everything in Nottingham. And then when I was 18, I was actually the first in my family to get into university, um, which by no means, like I'm, I'm not an excellent, I'm not very academic at all, but um, I managed to scrape my way into university. And then I decided as proud as everyone was that I was just going to go traveling. So I, was, I deferred for a year and went around Asia with one of my best friends fell in love with a man in Greece when I came back and called my mum and told her I'd met a guy who was 10 years older than me and actually I'm going to work in a bar in Greece rather than come back and go to university which that went down well I mean there was a kind of as long as you're happy vibe um but yeah it's, they, were the, it's they were the words but maybe not the the sense that actually <laughs> they were terribly pleased yes as yes I, I can I can sense me saying that at some point but yes <laughs> oh, but, but you you with this guy in Greece and he he was Greek uh, no so he was actually Welsh um, oh, okay. yes and he is he was the reason that actually I started um my first wedding company was because we got engaged and um moved back to the UK but then we wanted to get married in Greece and I was like, I'm so good at this. Why can't I figure out how to organize a wedding in a different country? And that's when the hurdles started coming up and I realized there is a gap in the market that, you know, if you don't want a Thomas Cook or not saying there's anything wrong with a Thomas Cook wedding, but if you don't want a Thomas Cook wedding, then it's very difficult to get married abroad. Yeah. Um, and that's how that kind of all came about. So that led you to thinking about a business that you know there's an opportunity there's a need out there because the choices were very very limited and if if that was something you were interested in then surely lots of other people would be as well and there is a business yes meeting yes definitely. yes and I think kind of at that kind of time people had become a lot more confident in not that kind of time, maybe over like the last five years prior to that, people had got a lot more confident in independent travel yeah. rather than kind of tour operator travel. Um, 
and there didn't seem to be any kind of wedding kind of catch up with that just at that point right uh, if that makes sense yeah yeah so you you weren't at all put off by the fact that this was as a as a sort of suggested this is dreams you know this is this is people getting married it's like the, it's the it's the big event in a lot of people's lives you know it's 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 one of these things that has to be perfect that didn't daunt you at all i think that's what makes it so great like the pressure and the high intensity and like there's nothing like the feeling on a wedding day of just knowing that you're needed in every single place and you're just but you've organized it so well and it's just running like clockwork and people are asking you for things but you've already preempted it and it's just for me that's when I'm at my happiest is under all that pressure so Vanessa's got this idea for a for a business you've deferred you haven't gone to university so you've you've (laughs) you've escaped all that life um which you know uh, Actually, I, I didn't go to university. My, my university, as I said, funnily enough, ironically, was Thomas Cook because I was there at about 18, 19 and learned my way through life working through various different departments. And that, for me, was, was, was great. I learned on the job. I think I, th- I just wasn't academic either, really. I, I, I scraped out of a, grammar, a very good grammar school with, with barely a qualification, um, but managed to get myself on a business studies course and blah da 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 but you, you clearly were then, I, I wasn't then thinking about setting my business. So you, you, you were very young to be thinking about setting yourself up in business. What, um, what, what did you have anything to draw upon as, as a sort of a, a mentor or as a guide or as a support for that? So two parts to that. So I didn't actually then, that was my, when my idea was formed, I didn't then actually set up the business. Okay. okay. Six years later. Um, but the, my mentor kind of side, my parents like are just the most wonderful entrepreneurial business starting. Like they kind of came away from the family a little bit and as in like the extended family and kind of did their own thing, which um, like they, they, we had a taxi company for a while. We had a packaging company for a while. Like there were all these boxes always in our house. There was always something going on and um yeah so I think from a very early age I was constantly around you make your money you know you, yeah. you can figure it out and you find out how to make it and you make it you don't just it wasn't a mystery it was for a lot of yeah. people they look they look at it and there's a terrible advert at the moment it's for one of the banks or building societies where this guy's basically setting himself up in business because he wants a tax tax rebate and, and he, he's waiting for the letter to come in and tell him he's going to he's suddenly getting all of this money back and then realizes he isn't. Oh, yeah, that's I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> some people, and I've mentioned people that have come to me who've said they've got an idea for a business and, and they, they also have this idea that somehow they don't have to pay tax. They don't have to have the liabilities. They don't, you know, and I think that's sometimes a, a bit of a wake up call. Yeah. But actually, being in business is no, is from the way I look at it, is it's a job. It's just yeah. another it's another way of thinking about having a job. It shouldn't defer from, you know, you, you work to a schedule, you work to a pattern, you work to, to getting things done. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's that's where you got to. So tell me about the first business. Tell me about your first step into... Um, you, didn't, so, you didn't have a paid-for job or, or were you working part-time or were you working full-time or, before you got into... Um, well, so... I actually really 
um, I'm really proud of the fact that I started the business with no investment and nothing um, and pretty much no savings. So I'd been working prior to that, but I was running a cocktail bar in town and it was very seasonal because I was living in the French Alps. Um, so of course you work for five months over the ski season and then you have to still live the next three months without getting paid. So savings weren't quite what you'd expect them to be if you wanted to start a business. Um, and then I actually started that business just before the pandemic hit. So it was just kind of a whole, um, there are a lot of things that probably could have stopped me or would have told me that I shouldn't be doing this or now's not the right time, Vanessa, or just wait a couple of years, but um, I went for it. Um, and yes. But so prior to that, the, the big thing before I started my first business was that actually in 2015, me and my um, ex-partner who I'd met in Greece, we went and lived in India for a little while. Okay. Um, which was just fabulous. Like all of the emotions. It was scary. It was wonderful. It was heartwarming. It was heartbreaking. Um highly recommend to anyone to go to India if they've never been but um we actually stayed with a family in India and it was the head teacher of a local school and it just blew my mind that like we didn't go and we couldn't donate loads of money to the school we weren't in a financially stable situation ourselves so we weren't helping by throwing money at them and it just made me realize how easy it is for us as Westerners to be able to make an impact on someone else's life without necessarily, like, I think a lot of people get it in their heads to help a charity or help someone less fortunate. You need money and you need to be throwing money at them. Whereas actually we were there for six weeks um, and it was the best thing I've ever done. Um, we had, there was the daughter of the head teacher. She was actually in a university over there, which was quite unheard of. Like it was quite a big thing that she was a female. Yeah. She was in university studying, I think it was um, biology. And I was working in the primary school one day in the local village. And I had a call to say that someone had to go pick up the daughter because she wasn't feeling very well. An adult had to go and check her out. Yeah. I went to go check her out. And I found her crying in the hallway of this um, university. And I was like, are you okay? Like, what's wrong? Are you sick? Do we need to go to a hospital? Like, how bad is it? And it turned out that actually they were threatening to kick her out of university because she'd been asking too many questions. Um, and it was just the, the teachers in there are reading from a textbook and they don't actually know anything more than what's in that textbook. Oh, wow. So, they were being made to feel stupid by her. She was like, I just don't understand. I just need, I just need things clarifying. I need to ask these questions. And it did end up that she did end up getting kicked out of university for being, I don't, I don't even know how they phrased it, but for asking to- We would just call it inquisitive, which actually, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. intelligent, you are asking the right questions. You're trying to get some depth into, you know, the knowledge on a particular yeah. subject. And because they- couldn't answer the questions no. it was easier to get rid of her than to actually be clever enough to answer the question themselves 
Yeah. Yeah. And that was just like a normal, it was, I was outraged by it. And obviously the other women in the house were just like, oh, no, I mean, she, well, she, she went to university for a little bit. Like that was, you know, and that's enough. Wow. Um, and then just little things like her dad, she got the opportunity to go to the UK um, which no one in the village had ever left the village before. And she'd been given the opportunity to go to the UK for the charity that was in the village. They'd offered to sponsor her to come over. Um, and her dad burnt her passport because he'd never been to the UK. And just the way that women are treated, like sexual assault is such a huge thing over there. All of the women who are living in the house were being assaulted I'd say on like a weekly basis by a lot of the time other family members um there's a really good documentary on um it's not a really good documentary it's a very informative documentary on how it is over there at the moment but there's a line in it where a man turns around to the camera and he's like well women like he was talking about he his wife was pregnant and he said that um well if it's not a boy, then it's a liability and not an asset. So I'll have to figure out what to do with it. And it's just, you just, I think, yeah. You can't believe, can you, that in this day and age, there's still that. But and we get so like in this Western bubble of it all being okay and yeah. better. And it's yeah, just, yeah. We're, I'm, I'm as bad for it. I'm not saying I'm not bad for it. I get very carried away in this one. You forget and you forget that that's happening every day in the world. And it's just heartbreaking. And, um, you do see you do see pockets of it occasionally in our own um, culture with and honestly pockets. Um, it still happens with uh, roles being being offered to people or, or opportunities. It's getting it's getting better, but there's still a long way to go. It really, yes. Is. Um, yes, that that's on a whole different level and, and must have been quite a quite a shock to you. Yes, so that was in 2015, and at the time when I left there was something like something had changed and I knew that I had to do something about it. And I think because for me, it was that what I was saying before, like, and I realized that I didn't necessarily need to be a millionaire to make a difference. Um, and I just, it set this fire in my belly of, I must help these people. Like I, I'm not someone who aspires to have a family and children. I don't want children. Um, but what I know I'm here for is to help these people in India and that's how I will make my contribution to this world is by helping them and um this was kind of something I left and then you get caught up in the real world again and I kind of didn't really know how I was going to do anything or start something and then I actually had a really bad four or five months um three and a half years ago so I went traveling to the Philippines um, for eight weeks and in the last five days I got a teeny tiny cut on my little toe the smallest cut you can ever imagine um, but it was off coral in the sea when I was surfing um, and either it was poisonous coral or I'd walked through a puddle with an open wound I'm not sure but I ended up getting sepsis um, from it and I'm quite good at brushing things kind of I'm like oh I'm fine I'm absolutely fine like I can't really feel my leg but it's all right I'm going home in five days so I kind of left it and it got worse and worse um and then I managed to fly home but by the time it got to my so the I went to go to the doctor the day before my flight 
um, and I was on this tiny island and they didn't have any blood labs. So he was like, not really sure um, what's going on. Looks bad. You should probably get home as soon as you can or I'll fly you to the mainland. I was like, no, I'll just go home. It'll be all right. He gave me a little sick thing to mean that I could be in a wheelchair in the airport. And I was wearing these flip flops and I said this tiny bandage on my tiny little toe and everyone thought I was just being very dramatic. Um, but sorry, so I got to- um, You couldn't feel your leg at that time? It was not- No, at that point, my leg, um, I couldn't put any weight on it. It was the size of, it was, it's swollen up so much. Wow. Um, the, the doctor, was, I was like, am I gonna lose my leg if I go up into high out? Like, is it gonna, the air pressure gonna, is it gonna like explode? Or it was like, I don't know, not really sure. <laughs> I don't nice, really know nice relaxing journey home. Yes. Is my leg going to explode? It's like 24 Am I hours. Splattering over all the passengers. <laughs> um, luckily, they gave me several seats around me. So if I, if it did explode, it wouldn't have you know, ruined anyone else's flight. Um, <laughs> but I got back to the UK and turned up at the QMC in Nottingham. And they were like, you're about four hours off complete organ failure. Like, you are so lucky that your flight didn't get delayed or anything. Um, yeah, so that then led to, I got in hospital for four weeks, um, recovering from that. I had sepsis and cellulitis, and it kind of caused all these other problems. And um, it wasn't particularly fun. <laughs> um, and then... That's horrendous. It's, it was it was a lesson. It was good. It was um, yeah. And then about a month later, I went to Greece to go see my brother. Um, and kind of, I was still at a point where I couldn't walk too far. Like it really, it really like sapped all of my energy. Um, so I was just like, I was going to see Ashley, go lie on a beach, have a lovely time for a month, and just um, recover over there. Um, and I actually, whilst I was in Greece. Um, a man offered me a lot of money to build him a website because I was quite, I can, I can build a website. I'm definitely not a website developer, but I can build a basic one. And um, he offered me a lot of money. And at the time, obviously I'd been out of work for quite a while and I was like, sounds great. Um, and he was like, cool, it's my hotel. Um, let me show you around the hotel. Ended up um, that story kind of, ended up in me being very badly sexually assaulted. He used his power to lock me in a hotel room. Like it got very, but, and I don't say that for people to feel sorry for me. I say that because that made me realize that in those last three months I'd nearly died. I've been sexually assaulted. And this is what happens to those women on a weekly basis. And I could have let that consume me for a very long time if, if I'd let it. And it could have, changed my life in a negative way whereas actually I'm so thankful for that year because that gave me so much drive and motivation to realize that that can't happen that can't happen and that can't be normalized and if that's being normalized in India then why aren't we doing more about it um so that was my okay I need to start a business that's going to make me money so that I can start a charity, so that I can build safe houses in India for women and children who just need a place to go when they need it. Um, so that's when I started a charity called Percy's House. 
um, it's still in the very early stages. It's a lot harder to set up a charity than I thought. I was like, I just need to give them money, right? No, no, not quite. Um, but the idea is we're building, we have to, we're calling them community centers for women because if we call them a safe house, they obviously won't be safe. Um, and women-only community centers where they will learn basic entrepreneurial skills so they can become independent. Yeah. Um, like market school, market store skills, numeracy, literacy. They're all going to have a library because I love reading and I think everybody should be into personal development and like cooking skills and just just a safe place. Unfortunately, we can't put beds in them um, because that changes it all completely. So they can't stay overnight. But I think it's a good start for now. So it's a safe place for them to be able to obviously interact with each other, to learn from each other, but also learn from other resources that you've got on site. Yes, yes, just to help just to help them if they need to be independent, if they need to get away from their families or th their village, they've just got a chance then of being, I am just want to give them the chance to, to be able to go off on their own if they need to, rather than feeling trapped and like they can't do anything about it. And are you able to say which part of India this is? Um, so I'm starting in Chittor, which is right. outside of Chennai. Um, but we're going to focus mostly on southern India. But yes, the goal is... Know where it might lead. I mean, it's it's obviously as an idea. I mean, is anybody else trying to do the same thing? Is there, is there a similar initiative or initiatives working out there? There's quite... A f there are a couple. The government actually in India do have safe houses for women um, that they've been building. But unfortunately, they are quite corrupt and actually not that safe. Yeah. Um, so I, th I think most of that's down to them being known as being safe houses. So if you're seen to be going into them, then there's a problem and then that results in abuse. So um, it's difficult and it's very hard to navigate how to portray it in a way that makes it safe. But I think more of a kind of school kind of learning vibe rather than, and just kind of wellness and, some like yoga and like just kind of a nice place where you can meet other women, but also learn things. And are you having to provide, I'm, I'm guessing you're providing staff who are going to be supervising, managing, looking after the location and also perhaps looking for signs of further problems that, that they might need to address? Yes, yes. And I think ideally I'd love for them to be completely run by local Indian women. Um, obviously so I have a lot of people who would like to help and would like to go over and it would be great to have people going over and things but I think obviously day to day year round it has to be locals yeah. um, but then also it's nice to be able to fund them and give them jobs and give them some independence in that kind of way as well yeah it's fabulous and um, we, you, you recently mentioned but before we started the podcast you would give me a, the outline of your charitable work which I hadn't been so so aware of but I'm so glad you've taken the time to explain that because there can be any number of things that people are enthused by motivated by to be able to set up themselves in business and I would say I don't think it would be wrong of me to suggest that the vast majority are for personal gain because yes. they want personal wealth they want the trappings they want the the accoutrements of being that you know it's time next year Rodney we're going to be millionaires you know it's, <laughs> Gonna, we're going to get the money. We're going to get the, yeah. the longer. But I think we've got to change our view on all of these things because material goods and material gain has got us to this point where the planet's not doing very well. 
You know, yeah. in fact, we're at a point now where certain things are irreversible. So it's not, you know, you're looking after a very specific area with 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 very real needs, which is absolutely fabulous. But also, as a as an idea of launching a business to be able to support that, that's how we should be looking. I think, you know, this is this is a bit. I mean, HR resource is something I fund. It's not it's not making any money at the moment. It's something that is that is there to support businesses that have come through from um, having difficulty through the pandemic. And that's, that's why I've, I've been involved with this and why I've, I've got this going. It doesn't make me anything other than somebody that actually cares about my fellow people in business, as you've got a very, you know, strong connection with these young ladies and, and women in, in India. To be able to do things outside of that situation, which actually helps to feed it, is... Um, is an amazing motivation. Could you could you explain how you're going to earn this this this, this these riches <laughs> to be able to expand what is a fabulous uh, initiative in India? I mean, you've you've there are I'm, I'm aware of two businesses. I mean, there may be more um, that you've got in your portfolio, but I'm aware of two businesses that are are connected to to weddings. Is that is that correct? Yes, yeah, so I've actually got three businesses that are connected to weddings. It's all... And you'd miss one. <laughs> it's all very... Um, they're all similar, but targeting different markets. So right. um, it's just, it's what I'm good at. And I figured if I'm good at something, that should be what helps me make the most money. We, um, we have pledged to donate 15% of our yearly profits from every company each year goes straight to the charity. Um, which isn't enough at all. Um, but I just have to be slightly cautious at the moment with everything going on in the world. So I prefer to go 15% and then give more than... Well, yeah, to a certain extent with the businesses that are, are relatively new, there's an yes. awful lot of reinvestment having yes. to happen as well, I would imagine. So I, I get it. I completely understand that. Um, you, you've got a... Um, a business that is, and I've t- I've, ca- I've called the, the the podcast this, which I, I, cheesy cheesy as you like, but that's this is the <laughs> disclaimer in one of our idents about me being cheesy um, about higher love. This is about the opportunity for people to um, arrange a wedding over in an exotic location, a mountain location, and in, enjoy the whole experience, but not do it in their own country. So, yeah. is it is it right you target people within the UK who are looking for that type of experience? Yes, we we we've accidentally now hit the American market. I'm not I'm not very. How can you accidentally? <laughs> we really know. They found you. They found you on this on the interweb. <laughs> on, the, on this interweb, um, we our stats now come back and we're half and half with the UK and America. Which oh, wow, no idea. I, I did I did a podcast a couple of months back with a lovely American lady. And I don't know if that's kind of come from that or I'm not really sure, but it's great. Be careful about these podcasts, you know. You know, I know. <laughs> I could well have sparked something and you've you've yeah, tremendous. Yeah, and we basically so I have a con I have a concept of a wedding. I kind of started because I wanted what I thought I wanted the business to be has obviously evolved and changed a lot as it does in your first few years of creating a business and I always thought that the main goal was to be able to create a wedding 
like we have in the UK, but in a different country. So originally for me, it was Greece. Um, but then I'd moved to the French Alps and I was like, okay, mountains, great. This is epic. Like nothing anyone's ever seen before. Look at these views. Imagine if you could get married here. Yeah. And that's kind of what the business originally was built on. And then since doing the weddings, I'm like, no, this is not, this is not what the business is. The business is having all of your favorite people in one location for like four or five days and it's an epic location a lot of people wouldn't have necessarily gone on that kind of holiday before most people majority of people sorry will tend to go on like beach holidays or um so like you're taking and just seeing like grandparents faces when they see the alps for the first time and we organize activities all around the wedding day so like you're taking all your favorite people up a mountain to watch sunrise over Mont Blanc and it's these moments that are created that are just like your granddad's going to make friends with the best man and then they're going to have a paddleboard race on a lake in the Alps and it's just it's so much more than a wedding day and that's what now my business is it's not it's not it's when people ask why they should get married and it's not necessarily my a destination wedding it's just it's a game complete game changer and it's the people that are all there and experiencing it all together. It's not just a day. There's not the stress of having to say hello to everyone and pleasing everyone else when you paid all this money for them to eat all this food. It's about just surrounding yourself with everyone you love in an epic location and just having the time of your life. It's just wonderful. And it's Sorry. more, if, if there's any criticism, no, 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 sold, excellent. Um, <laughs> It's more than just an Instagram moment, which I know we can talk about the Instagram culture and everybody sort of, yes, you know, selfie time, yeah. you know, Mont Blanc. <laughs> uh, isn't, isn't that great? Well, stand back a bit, I can't get it in. Um, yeah. that, that, for me, the way you've explained it, and I've, and I've had a look at the website, and I've had a look at the, um, the outline. You've got, you've got three locations in the Alps at the moment. There might be more. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of them is described, is it Maribel's? So it's described like Narnia? That, that just yeah. like that just that just draw this wow you know that, that that's magical, and it's that type of magical experience that that people are looking for, but it's yeah. real, it's tangible, it's touchable. You can you could actually do it, and I suspect when you look at the costs, certainly in the UK now, yeah, um, my daughter's getting married next year, and congratulations. I, I have to say they've got a location organised, um, oh. but. Um, <laughs> You know, you just want, you just want, as parents, you just want them to be happy. You want them to be able to, you know, get what they want. But, but, but I, I look back now when I got married, it was very, very different. You know, we were living in different times, different, different times. Now it is very much about the experience because people are aware. They've seen so much more. Um, we had a brief chat about previous podcasts and I mentioned the one with Rory Kathleen Jones about always on the smartphone is as if you like <laughs> it's been great but it's it's, an, it's enabled so many people to sort of have all these experiences that they think why can't that be me why can't yeah. I have that that experience and it's not just the sort of snapshot moment it's it's some it's memories isn't it yes I do find that weddings in maybe the past five years have got really um like everyone's kind of lost touch a little bit I feel with what a wedding day is and it's just a lot of stress and it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of making sure everyone else is happy and 
have you done the rounds and have you given out all these gifts to all these people to thank them for coming and helping you and have you and it's just and then it's over and then whereas like Narnia so Maribel oh my god it is you literally the venue that we have there is in the forest and it's up a track and you have to get horse-drawn cars or you have to walk and there's lanterns you can't drive there it's got like fire pits it's got it's just is it is magical and it's it's sharing that over several days with people and then it changes like because it is such a um it changes lives like I've had like grandparents come up to me and be like I've never seen anything like this before Vanessa this is literally something I'm going to remember forever and you don't not that you don't get that in the UK but it's it's just different it's just very different and I personally very biased but I think it's wonderful (laughs) well judging by your Google reviews uh I think quite a few people share that view (laughs) And, and that's no mean feat because of this whole issue of, you know, it's a dream. Yes. And, and I imagine in most relationships, most couples that, that, that would come to you for, for this service. I don't know. We've all seen Don't Tell the Bride. Yeah. Right. That fantastic moment. In fact, um, Sarah Vivas is a, is a lady that um, has some connections with in a, in, a, in, a, in a whole other story, which might appear in another podcast, where I got a close encounter where Barry Newey was dancing with Ashley Banjo in the town that danced, and Sarah Vivas was doing the Sky programme for that. That's another story. <laughs> I was at the top of a whiteboard list about, about, I think it was funniest moments they'd seen of people dancing in their kitchen. Oh, wow. Um, that's, that's a huge feat. That's yeah, huge feat. Amazing. And my feet actually broke. Actually, I managed to damage myself. So I was, <laughs> I managed to have a pull a sickie, get a, had a note from my mum, said I couldn't do it. Um, but Sarah is one of the producers behind Don't Tell the Bride. So I sort of like follow what she's, she's been doing. Um, and that's an incredible programme and scary. I mean, who does that? No. Who, who puts a bride through that experience? I don't, I, it always staggers me that... So when they come to you, I would imagine it's it's one or the other of the, of the couple that's got a, an idea or yeah. they've got a passion and they've brought the other one with them. Is that right? Are they, they've sort of sold the idea of this, this is the dream I've always had. It kind of depends. I find a lot of our couples either ski or mountain bike or have been to the mountains before. Um, and normally it's together, but occasionally we do get a couple and one of them's never been to the mountains before and they're like this is ridiculous and they're like oh no we'll we'll just get ubers for everyone i'm like no it's the mountains you, you yeah. really can't get an uber and they're like oh we'll just get a taxi i'm like nope still can't get taxis you have to get a pre-booked minibus at a certain time and it can't change <laughs> um so yeah we do we do get some couples if you haven't been to the mountains before and your partner has, and they're just there, and they're like, and it's great, and you've got all these things, and I'm like, surely it's not that great, because it's not a beach. You're like, you wait, you wait until you uh, you get here. So, yes. And then it's the, one of the Google reviews, and I, and I will say, uh, listeners, they are all five-star. Um, I don't think I've seen Google reviews that go into quite so much detail. I don't know whether, <laughs> I don't know whether you said... Oh yeah, would you mind leaving us a review? And make sure you turn it into War and Peace for us, will you please? Because that Google likes that for SEO. You know, you, you've got you've got some some short novels from people who've said, you know, what a wonder they've gone through the whole experience they've had. Usually, it's like five stars, and maybe they they'll add a comment. But awesome, but, yeah, 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 it was okay. 
Uh, but <laughs> it's more than okay for you. It's it's it, people are actually loving it. So, do you if you've got a, a I'm not giving away your secrets, but is it if, what makes the difference? You know that you've got a, from from my way of looking at it, and I keep, I don't want to keep going worrying about it. And I'm sure you're more than prepared to, to deal with it. But these are people's dreams. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do? that turns that dream into the sweet version that they had in their mind and not a nightmare? Uh, listen. I listen to them. I love um, no, I love that answer. <laughs> that is so important and so simple, but people don't do it. No, and I think sometimes you can have an idea in your head of how a wedding should be or how it should run at a certain venue or what you think looks best, but it's nothing to do with me. So yeah. you start listening and make best friends with them all, all of my brides, literally. So we, um, one of the essays on my Google reviews, they are the most wonderful couple. They got married last September. And like to the point where I was the first person that they told when they found out they were pregnant before oh. family, best friends, anyone. And like, they actually know that's a lie they told the best man first I was second but okay I'll, I'll let that slide um but it's just it's probably gonna and, be a good parent you know they probably needed to do that just to make sure he's gonna be around yeah and we and like and we zoom still we talk still we've still got a whatsapp group going and I just I make friends with I, you you have to have a wedding planner who's your best friend because if you don't I want to be the wedding planner that so I, I actually stayed with, um, this sounds a bit, maybe a bit too far. My, oh, one of my- edit, We can go for it. We can edit it out. Don't worry. We gotta go for it. The, um, the groom's parents live in a wonderful farm, lived on a wonderful farm. And I went back to the UK recently and I went and stayed with them. And then I met all their family and then I had a lovely time and went out for roast dinner. And like, the, But you just create such a bond with these people. And then- you're with them for like a year, two years, and you're talking to them all the time and you're getting to know all their family. And then you're there on their wedding day. I don't cry, but I cry at weddings now. I never used to. Like anyone I love gets married. No, it's fine. But someone that you've been with for two years and you've watched them go through COVID and the pandemic and the struggles and the uncertainty and they're walking down the aisle and I'm, I have to be out of shot. I'm <laughs> loving like a baby in the corner. Yes. Yep. That's great. I mean, and, and the fact is, your very first answer to that that tricky, nasty question that I asked you, which you handled beautifully, was listen. And it, and that's the answer to a lot of things, you know, to for for you know problems yeah. that people might have or or to overcome issues. I think there's a lot of assumptions that are made in certain situations with customer service about what people want and what people think is is good service or conversed to what's what's bad service if you're listening to people then you've got every opportunity of being able to you know translate what it is that their dream is and and hopefully turn that into the reality and so far it looks like you're, you're doing a great job with that you have a you have another business that i'm aware of i don't know what the third one is we're going to get to that but there's elopement um the elopement company which as it sounds is all about people who may be wanting to do this, but maybe not with every single aunt and uncle and second cousin three times removed. <laughs> yes. So it's actually a very big thing in America is elopements. Um, it hasn't really hit Europe yet. So I'm hoping to be the pioneer. Yeah, because he got dad there with a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, no. And um, 
so the elatement company was born I think it was I had several breakdowns during the pandemic with mountain weddings and weddings becoming illegal again and borders being closed again and then being restricted to 30 people it was just a roller coaster and I think it was maybe the second time weddings became illegal and I remember having I had a you know it's good to have a cry I had a had a so I do actually cry I cried at that point (laughs) but I had a mini breakdown about everything and trying to you know sustain a business in a world where everything's so uncertain and you're asking for so much money for something that you can't then promise is going to happen and you can we have in our contracts that we'll always rearrange and we'll do our best for everything but it's still you're taking someone's life savings and in a time when everyone cancelled wedding insurance wedding insurance was no longer I don't even think it's still quite back up and running yet definitely nowhere near to how it was so they couldn't take out insurance um so it was just me promising people that no whatever happens I will make this this will happen um but it just we might have to delay it potentially at some point but it's completely out of your control yes but nevertheless I mean you hear horror you do hear horror stories of people who I'm just trying to think I think it was on a of all things an Anton Deck at their first <laughs> show um they brought a couple together uh oh they were sitting in the audience not thinking anything was going to happen but they'd had to cancel their wedding three times and they turned out that they arranged the wedding on the show as Anton Deck would but they lost 20 grand yeah 20 grand gone you're not going to see that again bye-bye and that's that's a lot of money Uh, a couple just starting out that's so that's what you know people are people are are, are sitting on to sort of like have as a a wedding so it's it better be good yeah so there's a lot of trust and I think that's the sense that I get is that's what you build up by listening you build up trust Yes. And I think, so the, the, the elopement company then came about because second time weddings. And then I kind of realized there was this kind of trend of weddings kind of were nearly always allowed legally, but just not the party. Um, and then we went to, you could have five people, you could have 15 people, you could have 30 yeah. people. Then yeah. it dropped back to 15 and all these numbers were consistently changing. And I was like, There is a very, as much as I know we spoke about it briefly earlier, but there is a very big market for Instagrammable wedding shots. And um, it's just the way the world is now. Um, And so the elopement company was born and the slogan is marry now, party later. And that was all COVID. That was due to COVID. Like, you know, we'll get you married right now. And then when everything calms down, you can have a big party in the UK or back here or wherever you want, but we're going to make it all about you. Yeah. And it's going to be the best weekend of your life. It's going to cost you the fraction of the price, but it's going to be epic. And like the idea is, so we fly people out, we collect them from the airport, we take them straight to the resort. They stay in a wonderful accommodation hotel, chalet with a hot tub in the Alps. Um, some people, it depends what time of year you do it. So we've got some people who... Um, they're getting married at the top of a mountain at sunset and because it's just the two of you an archway flowers and a picnic hamper and things you can literally pretty much pick anywhere um so you can get like the most epic backdrops have the sun setting you say your vows it's all about you we pop some champagne you get some really good shots 
And then we can move you to another site where we've already set up a camping spot. So this isn't for everyone. Some people want to go for luxury, but um, we've got quite a few now this summer where we're setting up a camping spot. There's a, a fire pit included. Everything's already there. You've got a luxury hamper full of all your favorite food and drink, Bluetooth speakers, like everything you need to create the perfect night under the stars, like really romantic, really like inclusive of the mountains. Um, and then you get the next morning, you get taken back to your um, hotel and then we pack it all the way because that's the worst bit about camping, right? Is packing it all the way. Um, and then you spend the next day paragliding or ski touring or just doing anything like sn- snowmobiling or um, you can go to Mont Blanc for lunch and it's costing you a tenth of the price of a wedding. You're yeah. still doing, you're still declaring your love, having your vows, having your special moments. And it's all in a weekend. So you don't need to take horrendous time off work. And then the original idea was then you could do the party back in the UK or whenever, when the restrictions were lifted. Um, but now obviously we're changing that slightly to bring it more up to speed with the fact that we can, they can then go join a party or go, you know. There's something that struck me when you were talking about that process and the number of people that could attend is obviously the rules in France, which which is technically where you exist, will be different to where they were in the UK. So there may well have been this disparity of, well, we can or we can't or vice versa. Yes. So that, that's an added dynamic just to just to add a bit of spice to the whole whole thing. Yes. Yeah. There were points when we were allowed weddings and the UK wasn't and vice versa and keeping up to date with both countries laws and then obviously you're flying a lot of people so we've got like a hundred people flying in for a wedding and they're a lot of the past year for me has actually been like figuring out exactly what they need to do doing people's plfs with them and like just a hundred guests asking me is it an antigen is it a pcr like how many days do we need to quarantine for what do i need to put going back vanessa and like i'm like i'm I'm organizing a wedding but (laughs) you know it's the reassurance that people need to travel at the moment so it's just an added an added level to the business I I, I love the idea because there will be people who just want to get married and there will be people who have got just sick and tired of restrictions and uncertainties and the unknowns so you've provided them with that certainty but as we come out of it that's still going to be the case um whether it's people who are getting married the second time or, or it's the, f- the first time, they don't necessarily want... And I think this is something also has been a hangover from, from the pandemic. A lot of people are suffering from various different levels of anxiety and stress, and they maybe don't want a big party. They would probably no. prefer it to be a smaller, intimate occasion where they can be with people they trust, they love, they're close to, and they know that they're going to enjoy that experience. Whereas if it was a mass event with the whole family turning up, somebody is going to trigger them and they would much rather not have that. So yes. I think that, that, yeah. that, that'll be another driver for it. So that's two of the businesses involved in wedding, which, which is the one that I missed. Um, so we've also now got, in the past year, I launched um, Vanessa Beth International Planning Services, um, which is going wonderfully well and this kind of started because we're now quite established in the three resorts for mountain weddings um which is great wonderful um so those those three are um Morzine yeah and Chamonix yeah okay but do get extra point for that (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, I'm getting all the points with that. Very impressed. Um, and eventually, um, over the next 10 years, my goal is to be across 10 different resorts with mountain weddings. But for me, my passion is the sourcing of those places and the meeting the new people and the meeting the suppliers and putting it all together and then creating something. That's, yeah. that's for me, what drives me. And so I've kind of taken that and now we do international consultancy services for it actually kind of stemmed from one of my couples. They were like, we really want you to help our other friends get married. Um, but the problem is they don't want to get married in the mountains because they don't want something the same as us. So I was like, oh, well, I can do somewhere else for them. Like, where do they want? And um, so they wanted um, to get married in Greece. So I was like, well, I know Greece. I lived there for quite a while, so I'll do that. And then I ended up with another couple asking if I could have another one of their friends, because obviously it's difficult because I've always been in a business where, you know, referrals are gold dust, but like you, you don't normally get referrals as a wedding planner because, you know, you're not going to get married again and use the same wedding planner or like repeat business, sorry. And yeah. um, so I've kind of gone down the referrals route, but then you don't want the same wedding as your friends. And I kept getting referred friends, but being kind of like, but they don't really want to do the you same. want to try something it. different. Yeah. So now so then I was like, well, I, I can do that. I can do that. And then now we've got weddings in Italy. We've got vineyards in Italy. We've got on the lakes in Italy. We've got the Amalfi Coast in Italy. We've got weddings in Greece over the next two years. Um, and then now I'm in Mexico currently because we've got interest in Mexico and the Dominican Republic. Um, and it's wonderful. It's great. It's, it's keeping what I love about the business is help it. I'm just still, I'm still doing it. I'm still um, getting there. And we actually, um, my biggest, my proudest moment, I think of the year so far was that we've been featured now three times in British Vogue as Vanessa Beth International Wedding Planning Services, wow. which is huge. Like me, I'm in British Vogue. Why not? <laughs> well, yeah, but it's just, that was a moment of, oh, I'm, a I'm actually... I'm actually doing it, which yeah. was this is why I suggested earlier that you know you should be featuring on on other uh, media as well. Things like um, women's Hour, <laughs> things like uh, the entrepreneurial the entrepreneurial shows as well. I mean, with with what you offer, the, the challenge with the service is that very much that relies on your attention to detail, your approach, your trust, your personality. Um, yes. If it if it grows in scale, how do you how do you plan to clone yourself in future? Because that that might well be needed. You know what we do. We want to try and avoid here for the for the good people of of Chennai is we don't want you to burn out because you've got a, you've got an important job to do. So how do yeah. we keep Vanessa whole and able to do that and earn lots of dosh? I think the so. I was talking to my partner about this um, a couple of weeks ago and my big thing. So obviously I do, I love, but it's all about the people and it's for me, everything is about people. So when I'm saying that I really love now doing the Vanessa Beth consultancy services, it's because I'm meeting all these new people and I'm, you know, finding them in supplies and things, but that also then translates back to my staff. Like I, I am so happy. So we had, um, a wonderful girl called Verity worked for us for a little while and she really wanted to get into photography and I made it my mission to make to not my mission that sounds very um 
it helped her become get her foot in the door a bit more with her photography and um she started off doing marketing for me and I was like okay well let's do some shoots let's get some styled shoots going let's see who we can contact let's see if we can get you weddings and all these kind of things and that's I'm very passionate about that and so now we have Francesca who works in Morzine and I'm training her to be what I am in Morzine and it's just it's really wonderful watching her develop and her grow and kind of these are the books that I think you should read and you know and like I'm very passionate about staffing in the way that I'd really like I can't afford it at the moment but in my two-year gap plan for the staffing is that they'll all have a chance to go to the therapist once a month if they wanted to all these other little things that I think have really helped me not because I think everyone should go to therapy I think it's wonderful regardless of whether you think you should or shouldn't but I think, I think we all should. needed after the last two years to be honest oh god yeah and just investing in your staff and learning and figuring out what makes them tick and then helping them and just it's all about the good staff and they don't need to be me they just need to be good with people and I think it's just passing that down and me investing that time in training them to be the way that they need to be because it's I'm not I'm not academically clever or a rocket scientist it's all very teachable you know just listen you've grown a business organically and you've grown it without looking at a textbook and necessarily you, you it's an instinctive approach um yeah. we had a guest on the podcast Sahara Shimi who, who co-founded um, Coffee Republic she was a lawyer and she'd been through an educational process and qualified and she was listed, by her own admission not a very good one um but the instincts she had for business were second to none yeah. and obviously that was her calling and I think probably by good fortune, you found yourself following an entrepreneurial path um, when actually that's pretty much where you found your niche. You know, that's, that's what you do. You're able to set up and run successful businesses. And that point about cloning, which was obviously tongue in cheek, cause that's, you know, <clears throat> you're not Dolly the sheep and nobody can really do that just yet. You know, we're not all really able to do that. yeah the technology is catching up too fast but yes in real terms you can't you can't superimpose a personality on somebody else and expect them to to follow in that you know autonomous sort of approach robotic approach to 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 doing things because people will sense that you know people have to be who they are but follow a culture and and an approach and understand the way in which the business runs and if it's a positive business with a positive outlook and putting as you must do, obviously with what you do, the customer right at the heart of it, yeah. on a winner, I think. And it, it's but but <clears throat> that is the key thing, finding the right people. And, and I guess you've you've been fortunate in finding those people. Has that been quite a quite a challenge? Um yes. Yes, I think I've learned a lot um with staffing um but I've had I have had some amazing staff working for me who have also taught me a lot so uh, even the ones that I wouldn't necessarily hire again they they taught me a lot so (laughs) my my Um, experience of that type of situation is the longer you put off the worse it becomes when you're when you're when you're when you're telling yourself that oh not quite living up to that fantastic CV and that wonderful interview we had starting to unravel a little bit and this isn't quite the person that I expected it to be 
it's time to have a conversation and see if it's something you're missing because it could be there could be something else going on in their life that you don't really understand that maybe you could better understand or maybe it's never going to work out but the sooner you make that uh, that connection and have that conversation it's the better isn't it because yes yes definitely there was a pod i can't remember there's a really good podcast on that and how you should just as soon as you know it you need to just because you're just going to prolong it and it's just going to get worse and it's just going to bring your business down and yeah as soon as you need to have those conversations and I've had conversations with staff before and they've been like oh well actually I'm feeling like this because I saw this and it's actually just oh you saw that oh well actually that's completely like and then you explain it and they're like oh right okay and then they become the best staff member ever and it's just it's just communication isn't it everything is communication absolutely it's it's simple really isn't it you know yeah easy not many people do it well uh so very busy (laughs) Businesses are plenty, your charitable focus for, for raising the money, all wonderful. What tips might you give to somebody who perhaps followed a line that you might have followed, whereas they perhaps didn't go to university or maybe didn't get the qualification that they expected to get or a little bit of drift, but have got their ideas about business and are not quite sure how to do it? How, what, what, any advice you might give them? Go to Greece. <laughs> Go to Greece. Go to Greece. Find an older man. No. Um, <laughs> Interesting advice. Don't think I'll be caught. <laughs> um, I think uh, I could talk for hours about this. There's a lot of different things that um, my main thing, I think I've realised when I've been speaking to other people who are looking to start their businesses that I kind of get really passionate about is burning your boats. Yeah. Like burn them all. Like just... You've just got to do it and give yourself no way of like, I have a friend who's got a really good business idea. She started doing it, but she's also got a full-time job and, you know, and it's just never, not really going anywhere. And I'm like, just quit your full-time job. So I've got no money. I'm like, just quit it. It's fine. You can get another one. If, if it all goes to pot, you can get another one. Just quit it, work at it, know that you have to make it work and just keep going. And um, yeah, it's just the perseverance and consistency. Like, I don't think... There's, there's nothing about what we're doing that's groundbreaking or mind-blowing in the sense that, you know, we don't, no one needs to be particularly skilled in anything other than kind of people. And it's just, I've just been doing it every single day since, especially since, as soon as COVID hit, I just, every single day from morning to nighttime. And it's, it's tiring and it's hard. And there are days when, you know, you feel like you're, you've given, you can't give anymore, but you just, even if you can just do a little bit on that day and just don't be disheartened by, you feel like you're not getting anywhere because then in like four or five days time, you'll have a moment and you'll be like, ah, oh, it's all coming together again. And it's all fine. It's all great. And it's, yeah, I think my biggest, I've got to where I am now is because I've been consistent with it and yeah. persistent and also putting yourself out there like people won't find your business if you don't tell them about it. Like, and that's in not even just in a customer sense, but like for instance, like things like podcasts or um, just general recognition. Or like we had a point in the office where I was really worried about the business, and um, more because you know inquiries were kind of dwindling because of the pandemic and everything I was like right everyone's going to talk to five different people every day they're in the office I don't care who they are or 
if they're relevant to our business, if they've been married for 10 years, you just talk to five different people, whether it's on a social platform or via email, someone you've never spoken to before, just that they know there's a company called Mountain Weddings in the French Alps and anyone that they know then can get married with us. Um, and rather than not focusing on, well, this is my client, so I only speak to those. And obviously in an ideal world, I'd love those five people to be that particular client, but people know people. So just keep talking, just keep talking to everyone, be consistent. And yeah, I think I'm just stubborn. <laughs> I'm very stubborn. Are you, would you describe yourself at times as having a sort of bit of control freakery about you? Is that? Um, my, th- my therapist would agree with you, yes. <laughs> I don't know anybody in business who's not. To be I think... I think it's something about the manner of being a business owner and an entrepreneur is that you need to have a level of control over things to get them done in the way that you see them. It's your vision. Um, And it's the balance with that because you don't want to be coming over as the tyrant, tyrannical boss that's, 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 you know, maniacally getting everybody to follow a particular path. You've got to be open. You've got to be able to listen to people, but yes, you know, you, you've got a vision, you've got a, you've got a way in which you want to see your business run and the way you, you see it being delivered. Um, and as I've mentioned in the Google reviews, um, people, people need to check you out. Um, here's, here's an opportunity that, and we will mention this in the uh, earlier stages of the, uh, of the podcast when it, goes, when it gets published, but let us know how we can find you. Um, so www.mountainweddings.co.uk, that's the big wedding company. Um, in the Alps for couples who want something extraordinary. We've also then got the elopement company, which is the same, www.theelopementcompany.co.uk, um, more based at the Marry Now party later. And then we've got Vanessa Beth, which is vanessabethweddings.com. Um, all of them are on all social platforms as well, of course. But even... I'm very happy and I love just helping people in a way of just giving a little bit of advice or a snippet or if they're, they've got a wedding planner, they've planned the whole wedding, but they really don't want to do about this, just drop me a message, more of a chat and, you know, it's just talking to more people, isn't it? Just talking to everyone. Yeah, getting the word out there. Yeah. Vanessa, it's been wonderful to talk to you. Um, I, I, it's been, for me, a wonderful explanation of customer service in its purest sense because you've grown into a business and live, eat, breathe it to such an extent that you become part of that extended, you could be the bridesmaid, you know, (laughs) (laughs) weddings as they, as as, as it ever happened. Has there ever, has there ever been a situation where somebody had to drop out and they want you to step in? No, but I'm now that's a goal. (laughs) (laughs) Vanessa, it's been wonderful to chat to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. It's been great. Thank you. Here's the podcast follow forecast. The follow account is high today and getting higher. To avoid cloudy events in future and unexpected drops in insight, we strongly recommend following this podcast. If you like it, please leave a sunny review.